there's a great documentary series on, on Netflix from uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's life uh, where the one thing that stood out to me was this notion of, of being useful, right? And I feel like I watched it a couple months ago, but it's just stayed with me. And I think it, it factors into what I'm doing now as I try to think about, regardless of what you're up to in this world, what does it look like to be useful? And so um, I, I think that helped me back then with that site. And it's it's been really interesting as I've seen the Hospitality Daily community grow as well over the past year and a half. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs, boutique hotels, and hospitality brands, and the hosts, operators, and entrepreneurs who have brought them to life. Every Tuesday and Friday, you'll meet the military veterans, the retired flight attendants, tech entrepreneurs, the school teachers, the single moms, and the real estate investors who are all, in their own unique ways, shaping the future of travel and hospitality. Discover how these visionaries from all over the world have built chic cabins in the mountains, designed bohemian bungalows on the beach, erected eclectic off-grid and nature-immersed escapes, and so much more. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Spontaneous, the internet's best destination for last-minute Airbnb deals. You can subscribe for free at Spontaneous.com. And I'm your host, Zach Buzicruz, co-founder and CEO of Spontaneous. All right, friends, enjoy the show. Hey, friends. So if you've been listening to the pod for a while, you know that I've spent the last 10 years working as a growth marketer. Now, I get emails and DMs from listeners a couple of times a week asking if I'm interested in consulting with them to improve their listing optimization and their rankability on Airbnb. And the truth is, while I'm flattered right now, I just don't have the bandwidth for consulting. So I've been trying to find somebody who I think understands the platform and marketing strategy better than me that I can refer you all to. And I am happy to say that I think I've found the guy. Meet Daniel Rustine. He's a former Airbnb employee, a full-time digital nomad, and author of Optimize Your BNB, which has sold over 50,000 copies by word of mouth alone. Daniel has lived on Airbnb for more than 2,500 nights and has helped hundreds of hosts via his consulting, his programming, and his thought leadership increase their listings rank on Airbnb. If you're newer to the STR space, or if your listings are starting to drop in rank, or if you want to learn the mechanics of how search engines like Airbnb rank content so that you can apply these same principles to your direct booking strategy, I want to encourage you all to do one or two of the following. If, if not both. Number one, buy Daniel's new book, Profitable Properties, Airbnb Insider Secrets. You can get it on Amazon for just $10. And then number two, join Daniel's nine-week program and he'll teach you everything that you need to know about optimizing your STR for Airbnb, Verbo, Google Search, and beyond. You can use the discount code BTS, as in behind the stays, for 40% off the program between now and the end of 2023. Daniel will teach you what the top 1% of short-term rental owners and managers already know about how to fully optimize their STRs across OTAs and beyond. To get started, head on over to optimizemybnb.com or visit the link in the show notes below and be sure to tell Daniel if you talk to him that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you his way. All right, guys, back to the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Josiah McKenzie, founder of Hospitality Daily, a community podcast and email newsletter that helps hospitality professionals stay informed and inspired in this ever-changing and dynamic industry. Josiah has spent his entire career creating, innovating, and building in hospitality. He founded a company called Hospitality Marketing Strategies, which went on to become the number one hotel marketing website in the world. Josiah then spent several years working for hospitality tech companies, leading go-to-market strategies and helping these startups get off the ground, scale, and in some cases, even get acquired. In this conversation, Josiah and I discuss what STR owners and operators can learn from some of the leading boutique hoteliers about branding and marketing, the most interesting insights he's garnered from hosting a daily podcast, why he's bullish on building his brand and the Hospitality Daily community on LinkedIn, the biggest opportunities he sees for hospitality entrepreneurs today, and so much more. All right, friends, without further ado, get ready to meet Josiah. All right, Josiah, we are live, my friend. It is such a treat to be talking to you today. How are how are you doing? 
I'm doing great, Zach. I'm so excited about this. I've been looking forward to it. Likewise. And I was trying to remember the first LinkedIn post of yours that I saw. And I actually think I remember it. I don't remember I don't remember the actual content of the post, but Will Slickers, who is from Hospitality FM, my show is a part of his network, he, I think, shared something or, or LinkedIn pulled up one of your posts because he had liked it or reacted to it or something like that. And I saw it and I loved I think it was a, a recount of a recent uh, or I should say an account of a recent conversation that you had had with somebody in the industry because it was such a story driven post. And that like is what I love. It was so beautifully architected. It was about your encounter with somebody in the industry and how they had shared something with you that had changed your perspective on something. And it was just such an authentic piece of content, which you don't always find on LinkedIn. I was like, who is this guy? So I clicked and, you know, uh, stocked your profile. And I was like, oh my gosh, he puts out like daily hospitality content. Why don't I know him? And then I'm like, wow, he's got like 10,000 followers, which is, you know, you don't find that a lot on LinkedIn. And so anyways, I quickly I quickly realized you were an interesting person. And so I had to connect with you to get more of your story. So thanks for uh, responding to my invitation and coming on the pod. Oh, thanks. I, I've been uh, really, really excited about this. And I love what you're doing here. I think, you know, listening back through your library, what a what a collection of stories you have. And and I think, you know, one thing that specifically stands out is the way that you do your introductions. I feel like you tee up these conversations to be very story led and um, you do a really good job with production. Also on YouTube, if, if people haven't people listening to this have not checked out your YouTube channel, go over there, subscribe. What a what a, uh, a collection of high quality storytelling. It's um it, you know we were talking before we hit record here around storytelling in general, and the investment that you make in in creating you know a visual experience that's different from what we're doing today and, and recording more of an audio first one. Uh, but it all comes back to stories. And um, I was texting with Will actually before this. Uh, he what what a great guy. I actually had the chance to meet up with him in Denver. Oh, and nice. I think what keeps me in this is is the people and it's the conversations and. And it's the stories and um, I love doing this every day and I, I love kind of what you're doing in the space as well to help people understand some of the opportunities here. Yeah, well, thank you, man. Thank you for those kind words. And I I want to just dive right in here. And I thought it would be good to start by just asking you where the story of, of Hospitality Daily actually begins. I've got tons of questions for you around marketing, how you you see the industry uh, evolving, uh, conversations that you've had with leaders in the space, but but let's just start with the basics. Like where does the story of Hospitality Daily actually begin? Yeah, so uh, it's it's hard to to pinpoint an, an exact moment. I feel like it is something that I've been building towards my whole career, and I'm pulling from different elements of my career experiences and life experiences to create it. I spent about a decade helping build technology companies that ended up serving tens of thousands of hotels and other businesses in the hospitality and travel industry. And what I found from that is what initially got me into the industry was that fascination with travel. I spent mm. a little bit of time working at this small property on the California coast. I love the lifestyle and how engaged and alive I felt providing hospitality. I wanted to get involved in that. I wanted to spend my career doing that. So I ended up working for, uh, I wanted to do that at scale as well. So I ended up working for technology companies that were serving the industry. What I found is that a lot of times, especially you get into these larger organizations working in quote unquote hospitality, and I'm using air quotes there, <laughs> would be would, would would often be working in the basement of some suburban office park and uh, spending all day in spreadsheets and <laughs> bad fluorescent lighting. And um, so regardless of how, you know, corporate your work environment is, my, my takeaway there is a lot of folks had gotten initially excited about hospitality and then over time lost the vision and mm. the magic and the excitement of what it means to be in hospitality and travel. And if you think about that, it's it's a huge opportunity because it's so exciting. I think if you know we think about that, our listeners think about that about that, probably a lot of the peak moments in their lives were around a hospitality business. So yeah. that could be a lodging business, it might be a restaurant, but hospitality is often the stage or the the backdrop of all these incredible peak life moments. And as hospitality providers, we get a chance to participate in that, help create it, uh, uh, and and make people's lives the better for that. But we can't lose sight of that. And mm. so that's initially, or not initially, but what ended up 
inspiring me to start Hospitality Daily about a year and a half ago. And every day I, I talk to a new person in the hospitality industry broadly, a lot of hoteliers, but there's a lot of people from across the ecosystem, sometimes people in creative practices or people who used to work in hospitality. And the whole goal is to to help you start every day excited mm. to work in this space and excited to innovate. Wow. Wow, dude, that's uh, that's impressive. And you're, I think you're scratching like uh, a really important need, right? Like hospitality is this, it, it's very much like a sexy business, right? And yet a lot of the times to, to your earlier point, when you're, when you're working in it and, you know, full disclosure, I've never actually like worked in a, in a proper hotel or, or, or anything like that, but I, I can imagine, right. It's inc- high, high burnout, right? Like it's when you're dealing with people all day and especially when you're dealing with people, yes, you know, peak excitement, but also like peak expectation, right. Uh, of what kind of service they're going to get. And if, if you fail to meet that expectation, you know, in, in whatever category you fall into, that that's problematic. People will let you know that you failed them. If you put people are very, you know, quick with their words when they are served an experience that they did not sign up for, right? Uh, and so I, I love what you're doing because I think the mission is so pure. It's so important, right? To get people to really remind people. And I think we're, we're humans and our memories are terrible. Like we need constant affirmation and reminder that we're doing something that matters and we're doing something that mean that you know that that's actually meaningful. So love the mission. How the heck do you like produce daily content though? Like I, I, I produce a fair amount of content myself, and it is it is freaking hard, dude. I, I there's no way I could do it daily. Like what what does your uh, your workflow look like? Yeah, I, I'm happy to get into workflow, but I think at a high level, you have to stay excited and interested in it. And so I think you know when when this stops becoming fun and interesting, I, I won't uh, be involved in this. So I, yeah. I, for me, I want this to be my life's work. I want this to be what I'm doing for the rest of my life, which is a very tall order. Yeah. And so a, every decision from the big ones to the small ones is designed around how does there, how do I maintain longevity? How do I maintain excitement? Wow. Um, I do love talking to people from all walks of life that are engaged in the um, the practice, but also the business of providing hospitality. And so that gives me energy. And I, I really enjoy that. But it's really important for our listeners to think about, you know, whatever, wherever you are in this ecosystem to to, to stay connected to that. Otherwise, we're, we're going to burn out. And uh, um, and so that's something I think a lot about. But I think to your to your point around kind of the, you know, the, the details of, of how I do this, you know, I do about half my interviews um, virtually, so people all over the world. Just before this, I was recording with somebody in Madrid, um, oh, and wow. so of course the beauty of technology helps bridge that distance. And then after this, I'm going um, downtown San Francisco and interviewing someone in person. So I enjoy those; it's a whole different experience. You know, get a little coffee before, and we spend time together. Um, so I enjoy that whole range of experiences. But um, I think, you know, I, I spent, you know, a decade kind of in in the, in in a marketing role and yeah. um, used to oversee teams of people that were um, creating content and got uh, a chance to see that. I actually started early in my career. I, I ran a, a blog and website that was focused on helping tell the stories of others. So I've been in and around this and seen this for a lot of different angles. And I've seen what parts are, you know, kind of tend to work well. And, yeah. but it's always an experiment. There's, there's, I find even month over month, things change so much. So I think it's more helpful to kind of think of it from the perspective of what am I trying to do here? What's the why, you know, how do I make this sustainable and exciting? Yeah. And then how do I keep experimenting around maybe fresh ways of, of sharing these stories? Do you, um, one of the big, challenges that I face. And I feel like a lot of the folks who are listening to this conversation, most of whom are kind of like short-term rental entrepreneurs, they might have a portfolio of like unique stays. They might uh, have just raised a bunch of money and they're going to go like develop a, a collection of unique stays. They might just be starting out in their journey and they've got like, you know, one or two uh, short-term rentals that are, maybe they're exclusive to Airbnb at this juncture, but they want to build a real hospitality brand. So they want to build a direct booking strategy and whatnot. The folks that tune into this conversation are are, are pretty entrepreneurial, but again, most of them kind of fall into that, that short-term rental category. I know that your experience extends far beyond, you know, vacation rentals. And so I want to pick your brain on that a little bit. But one of the big questions I have for you as like a content creator is how do you how do you decide on the right format of content? Because I I am a podcaster simply because I like to talk. I like 
connecting with people and I like long form discussion. When it comes to short form content, I'm horrible. Like I, I cannot for the life of me put together like a really good reel. I, so many of my friends are like freaking amazing at it, right? And I see a lot of folks that listen to this show who've built these incredible brands on Instagram and I'm like, I could never do that, right? Um, and, and so how, how do you think through content formats specifically because you have a very like story driven approach as well like you you've got this this whole like humans of you know hospitality like you know shtick going on and so how uh how do you come to figure out what format is makes the most sense for for the mission that you have it, it's a good question because the um processing this is is obviously much bigger than you and i, I think for everybody listening to this there's an opportunity. So whether you're involved in short-term rentals or something else, or just, you know, love the format of, of, of the show here. And, and that's why you're listening. It's really important for all of us to think about kind of what does it look like to um, share the things that are important to us. And I find that helps build momentum hmm. uh, in whatever direction you're going. Right. So if it's, it's, you know, developing short-term rental properties uh, that could build momentum there. If it's something else, it's probably going to help you because what happens is you're able to clarify your thoughts as, as you're sharing um, you're able to develop, you know, kind of this community of like-minded people and you learn from them and you grow. And I find it's been really helpful on that productive on that level yeah. to your question though, of, of, you know, kind of what format do you decide? I think the approach that you took is actually uh, a really good one to, to think about kind of it's, a certain level of self-awareness of mm. saying, I enjoy conversations, probably an audio or video format is going to be useful for me. Others enjoy the for the short format of, of X formerly known as Twitter. And, yeah. and so it's, it's all about that. And I spent the last couple of years when I was working in a, um, a technology environment for a company called Juniper Square, which is a real estate investment management platform. And that community I found to be highly active on, on X slash Twitter. Yeah. Um, I don't know when we, we stopped saying X or X Twitter, but, Twitter. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think the, the point is um, kind of, the, it, I would say it, it's sort of this combination of what format you, you enjoy. And then also I would say on a practical side, a little bit of kind of where's the community of people talking about what you're talking about. And I think mm. there's a really strong short-term rental community, you know, there, but um I, I would say that probably if, if the goal is to engage people in the topic you're talking about, to think yeah. a little bit about the the place that you have these conversations or or share what you're making. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're 100% right. Hey, guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. When I was talking to a, a very well-known, like, podcaster in in sort of like the the tech ecosystem um and one of the things he told me which which has really stuck with me is like you have to be talking about things that you really care about not what you think other people care about and like that's one of the hardest things when it comes to creating content because you can think oh well the thing that i'm interested in how many people really care about like this right or like for me like i i'm like a brand like nerd and so i really really like branding but not everyone wants to, you know, listen to a conversation about branding every week, right? And and how that like intersect. I think like the intersection of like branding and hospitality is like super super interesting. If I had a show just about that, uh, I, I don't know, maybe ten people would listen to it every week. Who knows, right? And so, but but I I, I found what is is super helpful is like when it comes to thinking about the conversation that you do want to have with a guest, making sure that like 
you're like, we'll just use a very tangible example, Josiah. Like, you've done a lot, right? You've you've had a really cool career in hospitality. We could talk all about you know the the hospitality tech companies that you worked at. Um, I really want to talk to you about like content and and like where you're going and how you're thinking about like developing an audience and community and whatnot, because that's selfishly just like what I'm interested in, right? And so there is so when when you're talking to another person, people are layered. People have a whole collection of life experiences, right? You don't need to do like a quick little spark notes version of who Josiah is. You can pick, hey, here's a chapter of Josiah's like life story that he's writing right now. And you could dive just into that chapter without spending much time acknowledging like the chapters that came before. And I think that that's hard to do, especially in the context of like an interview style podcast where you're trying to prove to your listeners that the person I'm talking to is like worth listening to, right? You, if you've been here for a while, you you at least like will tolerate me as your host. But like, I want them to understand that the person I, you know, the people that I bring onto this 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 show, I think are interesting, and therefore I think that they should think are are interesting. But it's really tempting to craft content around what you think will perform well versus just crafting content around what you're actually interested in. And yet, every time I just find con- I, I do find a conversation that I'm really just interested in, I have way more fun and I hope the listeners have have more fun. So anyways, that was a that, that was a soapbox moment, but uh, thank you for your patience <laughs> while, while I unraveled that. If, if I could just add, add one, to the, one, one thing to that, you know, you, you and I were talking privately around there is, this is sort of the, the, the big fallacy of just looking at numbers is mm. it totally misses who we're engaging with, right? Yeah. And being valuable to um, maybe it's an individual person. And so if we're just looking at, okay, there's these dozens or hundreds or thousands of people that interacted with this thing I put out there, that doesn't make it necessarily more valuable. And so I think that's where if you combine those two things, it's really mm. fascinating, right? Like to yeah. your point of this is interesting to me. And also potentially I, I kind of find that you you'll attract really high quality people yeah. that are kind of aligned with your interests and what you're doing. So it, it's sort of this perfect combination. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, one of the things that I do think is challenging, right, is from a guest uh, acquisition, if you will, standpoint of, of bringing people onto, onto the podcast, it can be tempting to go and just find people. And like, I, you probably get this too. You get people that are DMing you and saying, Hey, can I come on? You know, and like some of these people or their PR people, they've got big followings, like they're big names or whatever. But you're like, I know the conversation this person is going to have on the podcast. They've been on every other podcast recently. Like they don't need necessarily like need to come on this show too and, and, and give me the same, you know, story. And so I, I find that like figuring out if you are going to bring on a, a more popular figure uh, in this space, how do you design a podcast interview that's like very different than the other ones that they were just on? And that requires work for you as the host right up front to be basically be like okay they were asked all these you know the five to ten basic questions that every podcaster asks the guests how do i not ask them any of those questions right and, and yet if you do that and it's successful people notice right and people are like oh my gosh that was like thank you for challenging that person or thank you for like not asking like so tell me about your life story you know uh for, for the third time so um uh, anyways we, we can stop nerding out about like podcasting and, and content creation but at the end of the day, I think the big takeaway that I'm trying to communicate to folks is like, if you care about creating any sort of content, if you think that that's important to your brand, it's really just not worth time your time trying to create content for what you think other people will enjoy, create content for what you enjoy. And I think that you'll naturally and organically attract the right audience to to come along with you for the ride. Yeah. And I, I guess like uh, something I, I maybe see a little bit differently is it's not just, um, I well, let me say it this way. I, I think we all need, need to be content creators in, in the sense of we all need to be talking publicly mm-hmm. about what we're doing, what we're learning, what we're interested in. And so everybody works in marketing, right? Whether yeah. they know it or not, we're, we're all in this environment of communicating, persuading, educating people around us on, on what's possible, right? And sometimes that might be for business partners and collaborators. It may be for guests that you're trying to attract to your properties. But the people that I see really thriving and succeeding really focus on that. And mm. their title is not always marketing. Yeah. It's it's more they understand to do anything in this world. You need to be out there and sharing what you're up to. 
Yeah. Well, well. Speaking of marketing, you you founded a company called Hospitality Marketing Strategies, I believe, and um, it looks like you you worked on on this company for for a few years. What what ended up happening to that? And like where I guess like how how does marketing intersect with with your career within the context of of hospitality? Uh, so so it sort of came about in a, the, a bit of an unexpected way. Basically, I throughout high school, I, I taught myself to code. I built a couple a couple software products. And what I was finding is that, okay, that was all well and good. But until you sold anything, it was kind of like, well, great. It's like lift, listed out there on a, some you know website and you're not making any money. And so I became fasc- fascinated by uh, marketing and specifically digital marketing. Mm through that. And so it was the early days of Google ads and things like that. And I taught myself how that whole world works. And I was using, I, I was like mowing lawns and shoveling snow off of driveways uh, to make money. And so I had very little money, but I would invest some of that back into some Google ads. You could buy some clicks and bought the software. But anyway, it kind of exposed me to the whole world of, of how do you get and convert attention online? And hmm. so um, through that, and then, you know, kind of parallel, I was just fascinated by travel and hospitality. I, um, in college, had the chance to study abroad and just met so many great people through that. So these two things were sort of happening simultaneously. And so what I was finding then, this was early days of Twitter, early days of Facebook, and a lot of hospitality providers were thinking about what does it look like to engage on these platforms yeah. and what piece does this play in how we provide hospitality, right? And so I basically said, hey, I want to I want to go talk to people who are in this doing this experimenting here and see what they're up to. And that was the origin of it. I, it was basically conversations not unlike this. This was about 15 years ago, but uh, I think we were using Skype at the time and uh, <laughs> we would do some of we would jump on there and and I would talk to them and I would write articles based on what I was hearing. And it, it just showed me the power of, uh, I, I knew nothing. I think we were all trying to figure this out. Social media was brand new. And uh, it, it showed the power of learning together and growing together. Um, so it was it was a website. I think sometimes I, I wrote articles that were sort of roll-ups of things that I, I had learned. Uh, but I, I ended up kind of working on that for a few years and, and growing. And, and it ha- a lot of that growth happened pretty organically. Yeah, I was not super smart around monetizing it. And so it was kind of showed, I think later I kind of understood a little bit more of you need to have some sort of business model built into what you're doing. Yeah, And if it's just a pure play brand building exercise, that's great, but treat it as such. And um, so eventually what happened over a couple of years is it just sort of petered out. I you know, was focusing all my time and energies on building these software companies. And um, so I think that was a big mistake in retrospect and honest, it just you know, I had a, a big community there and it sort of, uh, it just dissipated and ended up not going anywhere. And so I'm trying to, uh, do things a little bit differently now with hospitality daily. Wow. Okay. So, cause it, it grew to be a, a fairly popular site, right? I think like it, yeah. it was like the number one, like hotel marketing website at, at, at least at one juncture. Yeah. We, we, there was about 70,000, uh, unique monthly wow. uh, readers of, of the, the website, um, the the you know email and, and things like that so a decent amount of folks that were you know listening and, and reading it was more reading it, it wasn't yeah. an audio show but um they're they're reading it and um so it was i think i i focused on a lot of things i don't, i would say the stories there and the nature of everybody learning from each other was influential in that i did a lot of sort of technical um search optimization yeah you know crm driven email marketing to subscribers and things like that. So um, I think that played a role, but I think the biggest was the uh, being useful. I, yeah. I think there's a great uh, uh, documentary series on, on Netflix from uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's life uh, where the one thing that stood out to me was this notion of, of being useful, mm. right? And I feel like I watched it a couple months ago, but it's just stayed with me. And I think it, it factors into what I'm doing now as I try to think about regardless of what you're up to in this world, what does it look like to be useful? And hmm. so um, I, I think that helped me back then with that site. And it's it's been really interesting as I've seen the Hospitality Daily community grow as well over the past year and a half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, very, very impressive. And it, it's, it's always like funny when you tell stories like this, right? To think about how 
content marketing and like really like building a business around content marketing is still, it's still like relatively new, right? Like people were creating content and people were, you know, that content was, you know, being indexed by Google. People, I, I remember like, you know, HubSpot was hugely influential in, in like my my career um, and my own sort of like learning on, on, on all things marketing. But I remember like, like th that was like a decade ago, like uh, 10 years is not like cr like a decade ago. All this stuff was really, 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 really new. People were creating content. They didn't necessarily it wasn't clear how to monetize it. Right. Obviously, like Google AdSense kind of came in and, and shook some things up there. But but even then, like it, this this whole idea of like podcasters as like, a, a, you know, being a podcaster as like your career. Right. Or being a newsletter creator as a career, like all that stuff, having a following on X. Right. That is really new. <laughs> like this is like in the last few years, it's become it, it's exploded and it might feel like everyone's trying to do it, but it's still super super new. Um, so, anyways, I, I appreciate you sharing that story. I, I did want to ask Hospitality Daily. You, you've built up this like really large following on on LinkedIn, and I, I'm just curious about like your platform choice. Was that super intentional? Did that did, did that did that happen kind of like organically or like? Why why LinkedIn as opposed to you know Twitter or Instagram or uh, you know an, an, another platform? LinkedIn has so much potential and I think even now it's still underrated by so many people. A lot of the information sharing community building that I used to see on X and still happens there you know to a large degree. I'm finding a lot of that is increasingly happening on LinkedIn. Um, I spent a lot of time in the hotel world, so this might be, you, you have to think about kind of where you're building yeah. and where those people are. But I think it, it really comes down to some of the elements of what we talked about before of the format uh, that's interesting to you. And then think about the people that you want to associate with and um, learn with and and grow together with. Where, where are they spending time? And, yeah. and for me, that answer was LinkedIn. I was finding people were increasingly active there. Uh, so th there's a little bit of the content format. Obviously, LinkedIn you can share video, you can yeah. share photos, you can share text updates. Um, but what I was also finding is it, I find it useful from a growth perspective to think about where algorithms or network effects hmm. can be in your favor. And so uh, historically, X has been more algorithm driven around engagement of that content. And yeah. so uh, the network still plays a role, of course. Uh, but on LinkedIn, I, I found it was... It, from it, its early days is highly dependent on the social networks of people. And so if I think about, okay, I'm trying to tell a story of someone in this organization. If I do that, um, my whole goal with Hospitality Daily is to help us you know, all be inspired and learn together. But when I'm interviewing someone, my goal for them is to help them tell their story in a way that they're proud of, excited mm. by. This becomes something that is valuable for years and decades to come. I don't want it to be an ephemeral. We created a story and it's gone. Yeah. I want to produce a really high quality uh, story from from you know what they're doing or what they've created. And so, if, if we're all, you know both me and the person I'm speaking with are going to go to all this trouble and uh, you know time and expense of creating this, I, I want the people that are important to them to be able to see it as well. And mm. so this is where LinkedIn is interesting, right? Okay, so think about, I do a story with you. It's all of the people that you know. And and then that way, as, as the host of the show, I help you with your objective of telling your story to all the people you're connected with. And so um, maybe a little bit too in the weeds, but that's no, this is good. broadly why I focused on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, no, oh, I like, I, I it's it's incredibly intentional. And, and I think that you're, that you're spot on. It's, it's funny, right? I think X has sort of evolved into a place where at least a lot of folks uh, from tech and, and startups tend to tend to live and, and, and create content and, you know, interact with one another there that I think that that's the, the, the startup sort of ecosystem is, is certainly more uh, prevalent on X. than I think like the hospitality uh, folks are there's obviously like, you know, the real estate folks are, are, are traditionally quite active on X as well. But I, I have seen sort of this like migration to, to LinkedIn as LinkedIn, I think has really done a, a good job at helping creators, get, you know, get content, uh, quite frankly, just like seen. <laughs> like it, it seems like when you post on LinkedIn, impressions are you know, significantly greater than that of any platform. And may maybe that's just like the fact that my audience isn't, you know, that large or whatever. But I, but I, I see like way more interaction and more engagement on LinkedIn than I than I do on X. Um, so it, 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 it's super interesting. 
I I did want to just pick your brain a little bit about what what you think when you think about sort of marketing right now, right? You've you've got a a background in it. You built a resource for for hospitality marketing. You've worked in technology companies and marketing capacities in the space, and now you're doing hospitality daily. Like, where do you see like the biggest opportunities for folks right now? Like, are there are there secrets? Whether it's like a platform secret, whether it's a hey, you know, with this kind of content, I think is performing really well, and and here's why, and or just I see a lot of opportunity for folks to be having conversations about you know, X, Y, or Z. And I don't see those conversations happening in, in a particular meaningful way. When you just kind of take a step back and assess the current state of things, where as a marketer do you see the most opportunity? Honestly, it's it's in what you said you're really interested in in, in brand. It comes down to brand. It could, you could There's so many ways you could describe this. Uh, I, I think it's all about that strong, differentiated point of view and not being afraid to get into, you know, whether you want to call it a segment or a niche or something else, but it, it's saying, hey, I've seen this, I observed this, I see potential uh, to have this strong point of view, I'm going to build around it. And this is where it's really important to go back into the library of of this show and, and you know, listen to some of the people that you've spoken with, because I've seen this to be a consistent theme, which is super cool. Uh, I was listening yesterday to uh, Eric, who has this bourbon lover's property. Uh, I was like, yeah. wait, a bourbon lover's <laughs> um, property? You know, so niche, but, but it's still, um, I think this is the future, right? Because especially as providers of... Uh, yeah, or a host of, of properties that are smaller than maybe some of the big commercial box hotels. Where you win is by uh, having almost kind of being polarizing, where yeah. some people are going to love you and some people are going to hate you. So lean into that, right? Mm. And I think that's it's also true if you have a larger hospitality business, you need to think about what it looks like in that context. But um, I, you know, one one person I spoke with that has. Uh, you know, d- does business in the short terminal spaces, uh, Richard Fertig at, oh, yeah. um, you know, Stomp Capital and um, just a really interesting person from on a lot of levels, but on, on the perspective of he'll go all out to create this, uh, you know, Edge Camp Sporting Club, which is the most over the top, uh, you know, niche focused experience, but people love it and they'll fly in on private jets for it. And yeah. there's an obsession that people have around this property that it's hard to imagine a hotel will have that level of, uh, or I would say, I mean, like a like a big box kind of branded hotel is going to have that level of loyalty, and and so I think you know this is true in short term rentals. This is true across all aspects of hospitality. Um, you know, and Eric obviously has a, a, a hotel, but I, I think this is the opportunity I see. Yeah, yeah, I think you're I think you're spot on. Last minute cancellations suck, and that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. What I think is so interesting too is that when it comes to creating something that, that is like unique and distinct, right? a lot of the times, you're at least a lot of the folks who listen to this podcast regularly, you're building maybe a, a collection of like, really cool unique stays you're typically not trying to build a hotel with like 250 350 rooms right meaning like when it comes to occupancy you really need like three four five maybe maybe like seven people to stay in in one of your seven units right and 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 there's only there's only so many like there's only so much room right (laughs) the place is either booked or it's not right and so and so if you can do the work of building like a really cool brand around your collection 
it's it's so much easier in one sense than than what hotels have to do, right? Which is meet a certain level of occupancy because they have this incredibly like large building with hundreds of rooms to fill and lots of staff, right? You've got one a bed that's either used or not used, right? Uh, for for a given night, and so I think that that framing can be helpful, and I hope is is also just a, a reinforcement of why doing the work to build something that is unique, doing the work to build an audience, especially if you are trying to you know build a true hospitality brand why that is so worth it because it, it's freaking hard right like you look at some of these folks that I, i've you know had on the podcast i'm sure you've talked to several several of them as well richard's like a great example where you're like how the heck does somebody do all of that like that was a that's a ton of work and we, like how much money did you have to raise in order to bring that reality to life right but when you when you create something that is truly unique and it is almost like this like one of one experience ben wolf from onera who i've had on the pod a couple times his whole his whole like mission is like trying to build stays that are truly like one of a kind so that you know people want to go there to check it off their bucket list and be like hey i stayed at like the monarch which is this like butterfly inspired stay that he has in fredericksburg right and and i think that on the one hand that's totally ridiculous like why would you do something like that but but on the other hand, it's like, okay, well, hey, no one else has a monarch. You know, Ben's got, Ben's got a monarch. So anyways, this, this whole idea of like uniqueness, I think is, is totally worth leaning into if you want to build a brand. If you just want to, you know, make a bunch of money investing in real estate, I, I would, you know, spend your time there and, and not worried about brand building because uh, it is a lot of work. But if, but if you really care about building something that is differentiated in hospitality, I think, I think we're really just in like the early innings of like what unique really means. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll take the I'll make the case though for for the other side of that. I don't think it's an either or uh, situation. I think the the biggest challenge in any business is being a commodity, and mm-hmm. you lose pricing power. It becomes harder to build guest loyalty, and so you can yeah, and you can make a lot of money as a real estate investor in some pretty boring businesses. I think that's a a fine and a good business. But I would say there's also there's an equally interesting financial case as an investor to think about. What does it look like to build a brand that's differentiated, hmm. that engenders guest loyalty, that earns referrals, that gets that organic word of mouth? Um, so there could, it might not be an either or situation. Yeah, no, you're 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 100 right, and I I appreciate that that uh, clarification. I did want to ask since you talked to so many people in in uh, hospitality, and you you you, I think your your guests, and really quite frankly, just like your network is is significantly more diversified than than mine. One of the things that I've, one of the behaviors I've observed, it's, there's a lot of people right now who come from like the short-term rental space who are trying to like get into like hotels, right? And they're building boutique hotels or like that's like what, you know, they're talking about on X at least, right? And then you've got hotels, right? Like, that are recently like, you know, merging into the short-term rental space. They're, they're you know, you've got homes and villas from Marriott, right? Uh, Hyatt, I believe just, just launched their own sort of like collection of, of short-term rentals, right? Uh, why do you think this is happening? Like, is this just is this just a sign of like a, a dynamic ecosystem and marketplace that like hotels are coming into the short term rental space and then short term rental operators are trying to now launch their own boutique hotels or like what from your perspective is happening here? Uh, well, the answer is yes. I think that that is a sign of a dynamic ecosystem. What's really fascinating to me is going to all these hotel investment conferences when Airbnb was first starting. There's a lot of fear, a lot of paranoia, yeah, and people saying on the hotel side saying, "Okay, you know, this is the uh, end of our not the end of our business, but this could really hurt us." And um, and then watch it play out over the past what has it been 10, 12, 15 years yeah. and. And to see, um, there's actually a really good article yesterday on Skift that uh, Sean O'Neill wrote around um, uh, kind of Airbnb and hotels uh, and, and kind of the peaceful coexistence. So leaders of both these companies are saying there's a there's a role for each other. But Sean sort of makes the case for it. it's actually there's going to be some you know competition and conflict down the road because as you pointed out, you have these two elements of the hospitality ecosystem. Um, creating offerings that overlap in terms of market segments, in terms yeah. of type of guest trip. What's been interesting though, that I've seen play out, that is a huge, huge trend is just, I think short-term rentals have unlocked a lot of demand. And so it's it's sometimes helpful to up-level the conversation and look hmm. beyond just, okay, what's the market share of this one versus that to say, 
the meta trend beyond all of this that is likely to continue for years and decades to come is more and more people moving spend from uh, physical products. And I'm going to get this new barbecue, uh, which I'm less likely to share a photo on Instagram of and more towards this trip. So you have the big shift in consumer spend toward experiences mm. and that's driven for a lot of factors. And then you have kind of all of you know, rising wealth of of other countries of people uh, that want to experience new things. So travel at large, hospitality at large, has a lot of tailwinds behind it. All that to say, that is driving a fair amount of both of these sides of the equation, yeah. experimenting with offerings on the other side because there's money to be made here, and I think that is a good thing. I think the what's fascinating is hotels often look to short term rentals as. I've heard it called like the, uh, you know, like the, the the testing lab or the innovation lab of hospitality because mm. you have operators and developers that are doing highly differentiated experimental things that people love. And hotels at their scale obviously want to take elements of that and bring that to their business. I would say also for the short-term rental folks listening to this, though, you could learn some things from hotels on uh, process on um, how they uh, really dial into the needs of of consumer demand hmm. um, as they think about operations, as they think about technology. And obviously, many of those aspects need to be adapted to the business of short-term rentals. But there's a lot that both sides of this equation could learn from each other. Yeah. Yeah, no, those are those are really, really interesting observations. And I think one one of the things that I've heard a lot about is – uh, that, that's been like a knock on hotels from like the short-term rental community has been, oh, hotels are all just about like, you know, consistency, right? And in almost almost as if like consistency is uh, in conflict with uniqueness, if, if that makes any sort of sense, right? When in actuality, I think like a lot of times short-term rentals operators would actually do well to be more consistent uh, when it comes to sort of the basics, at least, like making sure the place is freaking clean, making sure that you spend what you should spend on a high-quality mattress, right? Be differentiated in, like, the design of the space or, like, you know, the 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 architecture of it, of it or whatever it is. But, like, I also feel like one of the things I love about going to a hotel brand that I've built a lot of affinity for and trust for is I, I know I'm going to get – this exceptional experience, even though the room will look, per, you know, more similar than it does distinct from any other room I've stayed in that hotel chain, um, which is where I think, you know, short-term rentals have a leg up on hotels. But I know that I'm going to have an exceptional bed. I'm going to have really great concierge, right? And people, people you know, I'm, I'm going to have this like very, very great night's sleep in this, this wonderful experience. And so I, I do think that there can be, there's a lot to be learned from both. I'm curious from your perspective, from, from like a business standpoint, do you do you think like if somebody is a young entrepreneur building a collection of like unique stays right now, do you think there will be lots of acquisitions that happen with like hotels like buying short-term rental portfolios? Do you think like this – like how do you – fast forward five years from now – there's a ton of institutional capital now that has come into the short-term rental space, right? You think about like what Wander is trying to do. You think about what these, you know, Onera, Bennett Onera are trying to do. Like you see these these really interesting professional operators coming in and building truly like exceptional experiences. What what do you think the most likely exit is? Um, and, and I'm sure there there will be like lots of different kinds of exits. But from your vantage point, what are some things that you expect to happen? Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think especially for the more um, uh, organized, uh, institutional friendly uh, operators and, and, and developers out there, that, that becomes an attractive investment. It's an asset class that uh, I think has long term potential. And so I, I see a lot of interesting opportunity there. Um, I, I think it for, to, to your question of kind of those that are building right now, it, it might be more personal, more, it might be more around kind of what does... Um, success look like for you? Because yeah. I, I think a lot of people within short-term rentals and and beyond, a lot of folks I talk to want more of an ongoing lifestyle. So it's not about yeah. an exit, but there's yeah. a lot of people that do want that exit and that's that's valid and that's great. But think about what you're building from the, the start. I think if my own experience is more on the media front, you know, building hotel marketing strategies did not, I didn't necessarily do that. And I think yeah. that was a mistake. So it's, it's helpful to kind of think from the start versus you know, hospitality daily for me is is my life's work. So I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. So it 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 shapes the decisions I make now. I think of the real estate 
front, obviously great real estate that is developed in a unique way becomes a really interesting business. Mm. And I, I think whether it's institutional capital or just other brands that are more vertically integrated. Um, I remember talking to uh, CEO of, of Graduate Hotels a little while back and was talking about this interesting connection. Like their whole thing is to provide hospitality to people within uh, these collegiate towns where, mm. you know, they have hotels, but they also want an offering uh, there uh, for folks that want that sort of an experience. And then you get kind of access to their hotel property. Um, and so I think like that, that having that level of specificity might be more valuable because if you're looking to sell to a hotel brand, it might be different than an institutional investor yeah. that will treat it as a standalone business. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's super, super interesting. I, I, I know that hospitality daily is going to be like your life's work. And so an exit isn't necessarily uh, something that you're looking to any, anytime soon. Um, but, but I, I do want to just ask a question around, do you think, so one of the things that's happened in like the greater tech ecosystem, right? Is you, you've seen like CRM companies um, buy up media, media companies, right? Like you, you've seen uh, HubSpot, for instance, right? They bought, they bought the hustle, right? You, you saw Stripe, right? By indie hackers, right? And so the, you've, you've, you're seeing sort of this trend of like software companies being like, hmm, acquiring customers is really hard and it's really expensive. What if we like bought the media that they all consume, right? Um, and, and I think some of these acquisitions have done a really good job of like, you, you barely hear, like I, I'm an avid fan of the hustle. And I listen to the My First Million podcast, which is one of their uh, one of their entities uh, uh, every week. And you barely you barely like know that HubSpot's behind it, right? Unless you do some digging. What do you do? You think that there that translates or that will translate at all in into hospitality? Like, will we see like prop tech companies buying you know media companies? Will we see even even sort of like larger like hotel brands deciding, hey, you know what? Like we we'd love. A podcast network that was, you know, Marriott sponsored. Like, what what do you predict will happen with respect to the relationship between, you know, big hospitality brands, hospitality tech, and and media in the space? Yeah, I, I fully expect to see that. I, I think technology companies often do things before people in other industries uh, or companies in other industries do. And and I think being on the other side of it, being in in these technology companies and leading teams that were creating it or, uh, you know, buying ads on other places, you know, what, what you find is, um, you know, that can be powerful, but it's, it's really hard to do. I, mm. I think as you and I both know, building these, um, th these businesses is, uh, you kind of got to be all in on it. It's really yeah. hard to do on a part-time basis. Yeah. And, and so I, I fully expect to see a lot of that trend that we saw on, on technology companies happen here. I think, it, it's a broadly applicable lesson, though, because at the beginning of our conversation, we we're talking about kind of creating and sharing from an individual perspective. But I think from a, um, you know, kind of like if you're, I, I would say I had the most exposure to this kind of at this real estate investment platform because I saw the people that were raising the most capital that were accelerating their businesses the fastest were leaning into this personally, but mm. obviously it was part of their business because they were the principal of their their firm. Yeah. But it established those connections. It created that demand. It created media coverage. So all the benefits that you'd want as a business, um, I saw happen on like the CEOs or the founders, the principals of these companies. Yeah. And I think that only becomes, you know, more true at scale where if you have a business that's a hundred times the size, you you need a hundred times the attention. Yeah. And um, that could be really, attention is the most valuable commodity in the world. It's only become, going to become more valuable yeah. as our media landscape becomes more fragmented. And so this is one of the highest leverage things that you can do now, regardless if you want to build a career in media, if you want to build a career in real estate, investment, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it, thinking about kind of like, how do I be so valuable and helpful that I have the attention of the people that will matter for me? Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, we could talk all day just about this, um, and I would love to. But I, I have a couple of final questions for you before before we wrap. Just one, one is around when when you're interviewing somebody, uh, or, or like how do you how do you decide who you want to to interview, and, and what would you describe as sort of like the soul of of hospitality daily? Like if you had to package that into a few sentences, like what is it that you believe to be the true character of of the media brand that you're building? 
Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I think, you know, we, we've talked about uh, some, some of uh, Richard Pertig's work, and he said something that uh, has always stuck with me in the, in the sense of uh, to inspire others, you have to inspire yourself. Mm. And so what I seek to do is find those people that are going to inspire us all because they're out there doing, creating, learning, growing, and and they're inspired themselves. Mm. And so they're able to do that. And and that's that's really kind of what the, the soul that's all around being inspired, learning and growing together. It's its very much of a community. Yes, we have a podcast and email, but at the, at the core of it, it's a community of learners and builders and doers mm. that are all in this together. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to like monetization, like what are you, have you, have you monetized at all? Like what, what, how, how are you, how are you planning to monetize? Yeah, so um, there's uh, a, a number of uh, companies that uh, sponsor the show, and you know, with with their uh, their generous support, it helps underwrite some you know all the costs in producing this, which I think sometimes people don't recognize how yeah. expensive it is to produce <laughs> a show like this. And so um, it's been amazing working with them. Uh, we might do some some things down the line uh, creatively. I'm looking at a whole bunch of different uh, different uh, ways that would be valuable for yeah. the community, and also you know, uh, support the show. And so, um, I, I think we're, we're just getting started, but it, it's fun to figure it out as we go. Yeah, no, it's, that's exciting. And, um, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts as you, as you test out different things about like, you know, what works and, and whatnot. Cause I, I think that there are a lot of people listening to this show right now who have, who've built really impressive audiences. And now they're asking themselves too, like, okay, what do I want to, what do I really want to do? Like, do I just want to be like this, you know, owner and operator of this incredible, like treehouse like brand, or like, hey, maybe I'm at a point now where I'd love to bring in an operator to really operate the core business. And I want to go and like, I want to teach people about this. Or like, I want to build a community around like folks who are doing really cool things with unique stays. And, you know, there's, there there are plenty of incredibly talented people that I know listen to this that are all kind of trying to figure out the, the content game too. And and, and what, what might make the most sense given, again, their interests, their their unique skill set, et cetera. And I think at some point when you do this full time, as as you know, and as, as I'm learning as well, is like, the monetization component becomes so important of like, okay, if I really want to give this my heart and like my soul and like all of my creative like energy, how can I, how can I feasibly do that? Right. And still make sure that like, you know, my son gets dinner every night, you know? <laughs> and so it, it, it's a, it's a really interesting problem to tackle. And I, I'm excited because I think that there are going to be so many different vehicles and like pathways and like streams of potential ways to monetize that are still like, really nascent right now that that are coming very soon i think to a theater near near all of us and it'll be interesting to see how how all of this plays out uh my my last question for you before before we wrap here just high is what are if folks want to check out the the podcast in particular everyone should go follow you on linkedin i'll be sure to have you your, your social handles in the show notes below and you know of course a link to, to your website and, and the podcast as well but if folks wanted to go and dive in to a few episodes to kind of you know, get started and get familiar with what uh, Hospitality Daily is all about. Are there are there a couple that you'd recommend folks tune into? And if so, what what are those episodes? Yeah, I'll give three that maybe um, uh, tie elements of what we've discussed today. Uh, one is um, Tom Wolf. He's the chief concierge at the Fairmont Hotel here in San Francisco. Uh, incredible story. He think he talks about taking this concierge mindset hmm. and applying it to however we provide hospitality, including our personal lives. And I think it's something that we can all learn from. He also has amazing impressions and uh, uh, accents and things that he can. <laughs> it's just it's. It was, I had a blast talking to him. Another one uh, was from Tom Lurson talking about the innkeeper mindset. I think mm. whether you're operating a short-term rental or you're involved in the industry another way, thinking about what is a great innkeeper? It has that attention um, you know, to the guest, mm. to how do I create a great experience? And it's sort of uh, agnostic to the real estate or the design. It's about the service element. Mm. And he uh, oversees a very large collection of um, you know, iconic resorts and hotels but it's applicable to any of, of us. And yeah. so uh, that was good. And then also I've had some great conversations with Richard Vertig uh, around being inspired around creating differentiated offerings. And um, and so that might be valuable for our listeners as well. Wonderful. And we will have those links in the show notes below, folks. So if you want to go uh, binge Hospitality Daily and or just check out any one of those episodes that Josiah just mentioned, you can find them in the show notes below. Dude, thank you so much for your time, man. It's been a, a real you know, pleasure to get to know you. I am a huge fan of your work. And folks, I highly go, I highly encourage you to go and subscribe to Hospitality Daily wherever you get your podcast. Thanks so much for your time, man. Thanks, Zach. This was a ton of fun. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Behind the Stays. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. Feel free to shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com, or find me on X, formerly Twitter, at ZBoozy, that's Z-B-O-O-Z-E-E, or on LinkedIn at Zach Cruz. If this is your first time tuning in, it's a pleasure to have you, and we hope to have you back again soon. If you've been a listener for a while, though, I'd greatly appreciate if you could subscribe and then leave us a rating and review of the show wherever you are currently streaming this podcast. Last but certainly not least, Spontaneous and Behind the Stays are totally bootstrapped, and my ability to bring you these stories is only possible because of our incredible advertising partners. We're very much a startup show, and while our growth rate is amazing, thanks to all you who keep tuning in and sharing our show with your friends and family, we haven't quote-unquote made it yet. So if you could do me a huge favor and go and check out the sponsor for today's episode in the show notes below, I would greatly appreciate it. Even if their offering doesn't make sense for you right now, sending them a quick message on social or an email, just saying that you're listening to the show and you appreciate their support would be incredibly amazing. All right, friends, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you on the next episode of Behind the Stays.